Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Today's guest, Meta World Peace. Interesting podcast. Meta World Peace is the first person to ever hit me up in response to a podcast we did. I'll unpack. We did um, Moneybag Yo. Shout out to Moneybag Yo. Moneybag Yo is winning in so many different ways right now. He's not only winning with his rap career, but if you know anything about his personal life, he is winning in his personal life as well. Shout out to Moneybag and Megan. Um, Moneybag Yo, a part of the podcast that uh, he did, he said that uh, basically rappers um, or, or ball players, I should, I, should, I, I should say, he said basically that ball players should stay focused and you know maybe not try to rap. I asked him what he thought about rappers, uh, about basketball players that try to rap, and he said, "Stay focused, man." Uh, Moneybag was just giving his opinion. He's entitled to that. Uh, uh, Meta heard that and immediately hit me up to come onto this podcast to defend and talk about the reasons that basketball players want to rap. Now you might think that that's not very interesting, but it was fascinating. You, Metal World Peace is one of those guys, you get them into a, a, a conversation and you are consistently surprised at the depth, the knowledge, and how he can touch his emotional center and really explain what it is that he's going through, has gone through, um, and even will go through. Um, and just the, the metamorphosis of the man uh, is pretty impressive. So we talk about that. We talk about whether or not he feels like he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, we talk about, you know, just some of his NBA days, some things he might have done differently. Uh, and he also tells me the one celebrity, you might have heard this already, uh, that he feels like could have made the NBA if he had put his all into basketball. That is uh, all with Metal World Peace. Uh, we're going to get to that in a second. <clears throat> before we do, obviously, uh, before I say anything, I want to, uh, you know, send a shout out. Um, no, actually, not a shout out. I want to uh, send uh, my deepest condolences. Um, to all the victims and the victims' families uh, in both Dayton and El Paso. It was a ridiculously horrific weekend. Um, I say that as I record this on a Tuesday morning uh, with America plunged back into the depths of uh, tragedy uh, involving two um, mass shootings and senseless acts of violence that seemed to be... Uh, sort of ingrained into our contemporary society for reasons that we can't put our fingers on. Um, when I was growing up, there was a, a familiar refrain that I heard all the time, something that people have consistently said to me uh, since I was like 11 or 12 years old. Um, and that phrase, uh, that term, if you will, was angry black man. I've heard that all my life. Van is an angry black man. Um, I've heard that so much that I would develop sort of retorts to it, responses, right? You'd say, oh, Van, you're playing the part of the angry black man. Obviously, you know, these are white people that would tell me that. Well, sometimes white people would say it too, but mostly white people would say, Van, you're playing the part of the angry black man. And I would say something like, yo, if you're a black man in America and you're not angry, you're not paying attention. And then everybody would be like, ooh. Um, but I had those comebacks ready because I've heard that so much. Because when someone calls you an angry black man, what they're really doing is telling you how much you're annoying them with your refusal to accept the status quo in America. 
Now, maybe there's nothing that you can actually do about it, meaning you can't change the structures and the systems that have been built into this country um, to actually keep oppressed um, and marginalized people where they are, but you can't call them out. And whenever you call them out, they call you an angry black man, someone who is always rabble rousing, someone who is always in someone's face with an injustice or a complaint um, or making them see the country for what you feel like it really is. Now, the angry black man to society is mostly an annoyance. I mean, we've been angry for a long time and things haven't really changed uh, uh, for us in any real substantive way. Like we have more, I would say, superficial freedoms. We have more cosmetic freedoms, but the cyclical nature of, of, of sort of oppression and marginalization persists. Now, I'm not saying that we're not better than we used to be, better off than we used to be, but I'm saying that a lot of the, the realities of the black experience in America um, have endured even our angriest efforts, our most well thought out efforts, our most passionate efforts, we still gotta do more. So normally, you're an angry black man, you're annoying. What I've never really heard addressed or called out or lampooned in America is what we have on our hands now, which is the angry white man. And the angry white man is not an annoyance. The angry white man is an existential threat to the safety and security of this country. Really, when you think about it, it always has been. There's never been a time in American history where angry white men haven't gone out and hurt people. Angry white men lynch black people. Angry white men destroy whole populations of natives. Angry white men are the ones in this country who have let their anger destroy people outside of their communities and all over the place. At random, lying in wait, um, doing horrific things. Now, I'm not saying that there's not enough anger and hatred, specifically in my community, um, to go around. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that when you're talking about random acts of senseless violence, America has to address the rage that is building up in white men and call it for what it is. One reason that we have to do it is because they, unlike us, have complete freedom in the country. Complete freedom of movement, complete freedom of access, complete freedom to everything. Where I go, cops see me, they tap me, they look at me, they profile me. Very difficult for me to go around and commit these acts of violence. White men in this society are essentially like ghosts. Go wherever they want, do whatever they want, act however they feel. And if they're feeling mad and they're feeling repressed and they're feeling angry over ridiculously silly and made up and stupid reasons, they are gonna make society feel it. And if we ignore the fact that there is a specific rage demon 
that is existing in a specific segment of society, then we're going to have these things not only persist, but increase. And if we allow demagogues to stoke that rage demon, to feed it till it becomes a behemoth, then we are also going to see it organize. We're not going to see mass, random mass killings. We're going to see mass mobilizations of militia-like forces that move in and create violence on even a larger scale than what it is right now. Now, we all are aware of why we're not addressing this problem, why this problem is the only uh, persistent criminal activity that's allowed to exist in America and be taken as individual one-offs. Every case is looked at as an individual one-off. No one is connecting the psychosis to one another. Because there's a thing that goes on in America when uh, a white person does something, it's looked at as a good person who's perverted or ill in some way and has done a bad thing. And when a black person or a person of color um, does something, it's us showing everyone who we really are. Um, now, if you're black, you understand that that is a reality. You get that. Um, the question I would ask the rest of the country is, how much are you going to let a double standard kill you? Because you're being killed by a double standard. You're being murdered right now. Everyone is by a double standard. At random, a double standard is walking into uh, a gun store, buying a gun, transporting the gun across state lines like this gentleman in El Paso did, and killing someone, killing people at random, families, inflicting terror onto the society, the society that you say hates terror so much, being terrorized by the group that you protect the most. Scary times. But I will say they will get scarier if we do not address the growing threat of the angry white man in America. The angry black man annoys you. You don't want to hear what he has to say? I get it. You got your own country. The angry, the angry white man, though, is killing you. All right. Um, pop some pills. Get into Meta World Peace. Don't call him Ron Artest. It's a fantastic podcast. We out. White people, clap for Metal World Peace right now. Clap loud for Metal World Peace. Hey. Clap, yeah, you go for it. Yeah, clap for Metal World Peace, white people. Um, big audience, baby. <laughs> uh, big audience. So, listen, this podcast got started. I'm a, I'm a huge Laker fan, huge basketball fan, mm -hmm. so I would have wanted to have you on the podcast at any point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I could, uh, Meta knows his brand, and he just ripped the label <laughs> off the water. I don't know what y'all, you know. He's not getting paid. You're not getting to, paid. He's not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> so he take the label off. But you actually hit me up and wanted to come yeah, on and talk yeah. from another clip that we put on. Shout yeah. out to Moneybag Yo. We had Moneybag definitely. Yo on the podcast. Very successful rapper from down there in Memphis. His yeah. album went crazy. Very hard, Moneybag Yo. And me and him got into a conversation yeah. about Hooper's rapping. Yeah, yeah. And he said, basically, that y'all need to stay focused. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you decided you wanted yeah. to kind of address that. So Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know who he was because, like, not because, not because I don't, 
if somebody's a big rapper, I just don't know because I like R&B. Okay, so you, you know don't listen saying? to much rap. So, and, and I'm getting older now. So when I was rapping, you know, I was you know, listening to like, you know, Hove and, you know, different things like that, Eminem. And so I'm not listening to, um, as much. So when I seen him uh, say that little comment, we just went in and was like, you know, this, this, this young fella tripping. I don't even know how old he is or not. He's 27. 27. 27 yeah. years old. So, and we're going to address that in a second. But, you know, then I went on his page. I'm like, oh, he, he, he's a pretty big star. He got like two... Three million uh, Instagram followers. Oh, he big. He a big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him I don't even know his record. Yeah, you yeah, know, he, he big, he big. But big I did star. see Gotti shout him out. I know, I know Gotti like briefly. Yeah. Right. Um. So I did see him shout him out. But you know, so I think when he said, like the ballers need to stop rapping, he don't understand. You know, when we was in Queensbridge, which is the biggest federal housing project in America, mm-hmm. in Queensbridge, there's no boss out there. Right. Each each block got like his own. There's multiple bosses on the blocks now. Mm-hmm. Right, so when you rolling up in Queensbridge, you know, which was the, it was the, drug trafficking was huge back in those days. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about these ballers, we have a story, and we got a deep story. You know, when, even when I made it to the league, right, right before I made it to the league, you know, when we had a little dough, you know, some people would come to me and be like, yo, you know, can't get, let me hold something so I can flip that, you know. There's different things that people don't know what a ball player goes through, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the realest dudes in my hood is a ball player. He was the best ball player in the hood. Mm. And he, he passed away. Um, you, if you go type up Mike Chatfield, you'll see him laid over with a white sheet over his head. He passed away of a, a, a bad drug, drug transaction. Mm. You know, he, he, um, he got shot, went to the hospital. And he told the nurse he had a couple bullet wounds in him. And, and they was like, you know, uh, hold on one second. He was like, right, I'm out of here. Fuck that, I'm out of here. And he died, he, he died in his car. Damn. You know, move, moving drugs. Yeah. You understand? And, and, and those are the type of ballers that we around. So on the court in Queensbridge, it was nothing but gangsters on the court. Mm. You know Hooping. I mean? Hoopers. Yeah. Scholarship niggas. Right. You know, but, 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 but getting it in. Yeah. You know, most, most of the real people you heard about with Nas and Mob Deep, when they mention these names, Yammy, you know, these mm. ballers. <laughs> yeah, they could really play ball. Really play ball. That's what I learned from. I mm. learned from that. I learned from so So, like, when you say... And the reason I started rapping, I'm not a natural rapper. Iman Shumper, he's a rapper. Yeah. You know, he's from Chi-Town, from the hood, too. Um, Damian Lillard, real rapper. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Lou Williams, nice. Yeah. Right? I started when I was 19. I, wasn't, I was never a rapper. I was in the R&B. I started rapping because we st- even though I made it, we still struggling. We still in the streets. You know, people don't understand, but when, when, I, when we got our, that first check, it was t- tons of opportunities um, to, you know, to, to, to flip a little something. Yeah. You understand, and and, that, and that's the life. So when you say that, you discredit you discredit the real the real nigga. Now I'm 40 years old. I'm done. I'm not rapping no more, right. which I like to. I, I still love music. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not rapping, but but when you uh, journalize all ball players, I'm like, we got we got to give this young fella a lesson. Yeah, ball players is, is, is nothing but real niggas. Right. <laughs> so so you feel like growing up in Queens Queensbridge the way that you did. Mm-hmm. Rapping was a way for y'all to tell y'all stories to the world? It was, man. All my, all my friends is rappers. Nature. I used to go to this house every Thanksgiving, watch WWE. Mm. All his niggas, real niggas. Yeah, for sure. Right? Um, Mom D, my, my family, um, my, my cousin Aaron lives on the third floor on 12th Street. That's where I grew up playing ball. Yeah. And my, and my cousin Aaron used to move a lot of drugs out the, out the apartment. Mm-hmm. He did time, all, all, all his jail time is served. Mm. Right? So that's where I learned how to cook up crack. Mm-hmm. You understand? And one, one day he got beat really bad because he's not, he wasn't a gangster. He was a drug dealer. Yeah. There's a difference. He wasn't out to rob. He wasn't robbing nobody. He wasn't punking nobody. He wasn't bullying anybody. Yeah. Just a drug dealer. And a lot of the dope fiends used to pass all the drug dealers on the block on 12th Street, Mob Deep Block. 
and they go to my cousin's house, and one day a couple people in the hood got upset about that, and they beat him with a bat, bad. Damn. You understand? We go on the roof, and my cousin, my, my cousin had, you know, they had, had a lot of guns mm. in the house. They started to get guns after they being bullied. We never had guns. Right. You understand? So we, you know, on top of the roof, they was like, all right, Ron, you want to come up? I'm like 12 years old. Come on, come up to the roof. We about to, we, they had the double barrel, you see right through it. You know, and they, we had a, a couple guns up there, and they pointed it. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I, I want to see, I'm, I'm like, I want to see, yeah. I'm yeah. 12 years old. So when you talk about the journey of a baller and, and why we rap, because when you, when, when I made it when I was 19 from no money to having money. I'm still in the hood. I was in the streets in, in, in Queensbridge. Mm. I wasn't a gangster, but, you know, um, but I was well-respected. Well, I feel you. In my neighborhood. Yeah. Just because, you know, I give respect and there's respect given. And all my people's is real. Mm-hmm. Every one of them. So, so when I'm telling my story, it's because I feel like I didn't make it. Rapping was the only way because I can't tell it on ESPN. Yeah. You understand? So it's too hardcore for ESPN. It's too, it's too hardcore. And so most of my music early on, first off, I had no allies when I was putting out my music. So you know if you're an artist, you get signed to a label. You need a label to, to push it. True, you need a Unless machine. you like um, Tech 9 or, um, you know, 6 uh, 9 yeah, yeah, These yeah. guys did it amazingly. Yeah. It was amazing. But, you know, I didn't have, never had a writer. You understand? Never had, early on, no, no producers. You know, mm-hmm. we were just trying to get into it. We had no, no, no support even from our own hood. Mm-hmm. You know, you, nobody ever, I was never on stage with Nas rapping. Yeah. You know, I was never, I never had Mob Deep behind me. Yeah. You know, so he's Did doing that ever the, bother you that those of guys? Of course it bothered that me. they didn't reach out, like 100%. the Nas or the Mob Deeps didn't reach out to like... 100% because you got Metal World Peace Shower and I cleaned with one of the, you know, one of the most realists to come out the hood. Yeah. You know, uh, I, did, I, did most, I did a lot of real shit in my hood, meaning I'm there. I never left. No security, nothing. You know, and, and, and I'm there in the hood and for people not to reach out, it, it was okay, but they're still my big brothers. Yeah. Right, so I still respect them as like my, my big brothers. Right. You understand? So... You know, and so when, we, when I was rapping, I had a story to tell. And that's why when I first started rapping, everybody was fucking with me. Because DJ K. Slay, you know, it was for me to fail. And I fucked it up. My first record I gave to K. Slay, I had no, it was no engineer. Yeah. You know, I put it on the Hot 97, and everybody's like, that shit is trash. And I'm like, what y'all mean? This shit is hard. Then when I listened to it, no 808, no kick, no mix, nothing, right? And, and it, it, was, it was decent, decent lyrics. But it was like, we had a story to tell. We had a story to tell. And, and, and the reason I reached out to you on IG was because... You know, it's a lot of ballers with stories to tell. And you don't have to be a gangster to be a rapper. Like, if you have a story to tell, you got to tell it. So, you know, w- w- so some people think when you're a baller, right, you chill, you made it right now. Nah, we didn't make it yet because our people are still back home. Yeah. Our people are still in the hood. Yeah. Still not educated, still going through things, you know. So you try to be inspiration. So that's why we was like, damn. You know, that, that's, and, and, and then Lil Wayne and Stack Jack. <laughs> Jack. I mean. Jack was <laughs> shout out to Stephen Jackson, Shout man. out to Stack Jack. Jack, like, Jack, that's my man. Yeah. Jack wasn't, Jack wasn't fucking with it at all. Mm-mm. Lou Will jumped in. Shout out to Lou Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lou Will jumped in and said, yeah, nah, yeah. we still going to do this. But Jack, who takes rap, once again, takes, takes, takes rap very serious, very serious. Um, jumped in and said, nah, bro. Like, he want to yeah. get it off his chest. And, we, and you know, like, and I respect, like, I'm a, I'm a big comp- I support the young the youth I support the youth and you know I didn't want to really make it seem like I was trying to go at it when, when, it, when, it, when it was first said we was heated I, I deleted some of my comments oh I, I didn't de- even see you didn't see some of them yeah I, didn't I deleted even- some like 10 of them okay <laughs> <laughs> I deleted my wife. I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? All right. All right I didn't even see him. Yeah. I let my emotion get the best of me. But it was just like, you know, um, but I don't, I don't want to discourage the youth, you know, from doing their thing. Whether you're whether you a G or not, you're the youth, you're the future. 
but I, I think they don't really understand like yeah. what a ball player actually went through. You know, my, and I, like I said, most of the ball players, like my brother. <laughs> yeah, you sent me some yeah, video. Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I, my brother saw it too. My brother was, when Lenny Cook was number two behind LeBron James in that, the year they came out of high school. My brother was number two in the, Lenny Cook was number two in the country. Yeah. Number one in New York City. My brother was number two in New York City. Oh, wow. Senior year, he didn't play basketball. He had a bad attitude. Yeah. Double mind. Yeah. So he always fucked up. Mm-hmm. Rap, dope rapper And my brother was like Yo I'm about to I'm about to, I, I, He got ammunition Yeah 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 He got ammunition Yeah bars for money bags What you he, about to He got ammunition Yeah You know he got My brother got ammunition Yeah and, But he's not rapping no more He's old But he, he was like Yo I think I might have to Come out with records I was like You know let's, let's wait and see You know but It was the whole thing Of the baller And you know Niggas is nice But we just don't have the, We don't have the platform To support To really put our records Like we want Mm. Like honestly, I did, I got over 500, 600 records, mm. and then out of those 500, 600, I only like like 10 of them. Tell you the truth. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe 15. Right, 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 right. And right. you know, and then maybe like you know, 70 percent of them is really bad. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. From not just bad lyrically or flow wise, but production. You know, a lot of things that's wrong with it. Yeah. A lot of things that's wrong with it, and. You know, we we could fix a few up and, and, and put out a nice album, right? If we really had to, mm-hmm. you know. But it was, but it was, the whole thing was, you know, um, it, was, it, was, it was as you can see with Steve Jackson and Lou Williams. We all reached out to you, yeah. And it, it, it struck a nerve because Shaq, two times platinum, yeah, the, the best athlete rapper, the best baller rapper ever. Mm-hmm. His even in the lyrics, you listen to his songs, really good songs. So you say Shaq is the best baller rapper ever. Shaq is the best baller rapper ever, and people could try to. To, you know, to discredit that, but if you l- listen to Biological and Bother, listen to Outstanding. He had lyrics. Shaq is. You can't amazing. stop the rain. You can't stop the rain. These are great records. Yeah. Right. And so, so then the next wave was um, um, before Iverson was Jr. Ryder. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. I talked to Jr. a little bit to too. JR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when Jr. came out, um, no, no promotion. It, it was nothing going on. Then you had a wave. You had Jason Kidd. You had Byron. Um, Brian Shaw. Then you had an album that was done by rappers. Mm-hmm. But, but, but these Ball, Ball's Best Kept Secret or whatever? Ball's Best Kept Secret. Yeah, but Best Kept Secret, yeah. But, it, but, but that was like more music, you know. Shaq was hip-hop. Yeah. Um, J.R. Ryder, you know, he, he was in between. But, he, but nobody ever heard his music. Yeah. Then you had Iverson. You had, you had, you had Jules. Yeah, Jules. <laughs> right? Which was like really hardcore. This fucking shit don't need no hook. You know what I'm saying? It's just a hundred fucking balls from the mouth of a crowd. <laughs> You know what I mean? I, like, man, obviously, it was wildin'. I can't, bro. I, when, I, when that shit came out, bro, some of this shit, because here's the thing, Meta, is when you're on the court, of people, course. The, the, the worlds don't meld for a lot of people, right? Of course. So a lot of these guys that are doing Sports Center or right, doing right, Fox right, or whatever, right, right, right. they don't listen to hardcore hip hop. They don't, maybe not. So, so some of them do. <laughs> so, some of them do. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. of them do. But. When a, when a, when the average guys when they hear some right, of the right, shit right, that right. Iverson was rapping of about, of course, of course, they like, did you hear what the fuck Allen Iverson Absolutely. just said? And they everyone gets shocked. Right, if they right, were, right. If they were bigger fans, if they were right. listening to the Locks and all people like that, right, right, it wouldn't shock them. So I think with that is Allen Iverson and Eminem came out the same about around the same time. Right. Eminem and, I, and Iverson raps about the same exact stuff. Yeah. Right. How Eminem early on was talking about. Um, he would say uh, have homophobic lyrics. Yeah, sometimes or be rapping about. Oh, not sometimes. A lot, all the time. Him and Iverson had the same type of content. Yeah. Obviously, Eminem had more time to craft his. Yeah. You know, to 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 to, uh, to perfect his craft. Mm-hmm. So, but Iverson gets a lot of backlash, which I supported. But then M- Eminem is still on NBA TNT. They're still playing his music. 
on our games the same people that's giving Eminem backlash, right? So they're, they're more afraid of Eminem than I mean, sorry, more afraid of Iverson than Eminem. Wow, you know, I, you, and so it's, that's it's, fucking profound. So not, Eminem is Eminem still getting pay, played on yeah. the NBA broadcast, yeah, of course. And Iverson, who's making that, who's making that, is not is is getting ostracized. And he's from the hood. Yeah, <laughs> Iverson, Iverson, more from the hood than I'm not gonna say that Eminem's from the shit. I, mean, <laughs> I know where Eminem's from. I actually visited. I, I got friends right where Eminem's from. Yeah, I know exactly where from. But I'm saying like, you know, it's the same content. Yeah, but they but but the mark, the branding is different. Obviously, the NBA logo. They're like nah nah. Yeah. But when you take the when you take our shirts off, we we just regular people. Yeah. You know. So when, I, when Iverson came out, I was really inspired by Iverson to really start really getting it in. And then he quit. But when I came in, my whole style is mob deep. You know, uh -huh. Nas that grimy that grimy style I'm from the block. Yeah. So when I when I was rapping, I was caught in the mix of saying you know. Me and my niggas in the back, we trying to pop this something, yeah. right? <laughs> right, right, right? And not necessarily saying I do that, but you know when rap, you're expressing yourself. Not every rapper do what they say. Yeah. My, my expression was more on the hardcore side, but then I was like, I can't rap about that. Right. I kept thinking about, you know, damn, the kids that's out there listening to this. So my music, I never had a chance to really get out what I really wanted to get mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. you know, with, with, with my music. Let me, let, me, let me put this to you. So a lot of... So uh, a lot of uh, uh, rappers look yeah. at you guys. See, you just kind of put forth something that I don't feel like a lot of people had heard before, which right, is right. that there are stories that they want to tell of the way, they came, with the, with the way you guys came up and rap is the I, best I'm way. Gonna cut you off. I'm going to let you go. Sorry sure. to cut you off. Look at Drake. Mm -hmm. Drake is owner of a team. Mm -hmm. Look at oh, Jay-Z. He's, he's, he's the ambassador to a team. Ba yeah. Ambassador of a team. Yeah. Right. And everybody, the whole league is supporting them. Yeah. But in the, in the, in the lyrics, is like, hey, nigga, hey, my nigga, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And but when we say it, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. Now, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Personally, you know, even though I'm not rapping anymore, I don't really care what people thought. That's why people were feeling me so, so much. Right. But at the same time, you know, you have, you know, Jay-Z and, and Drake, they own teams, you know, and, and they can talk like this, but I can't. And I'm a player on the team. Nah, it may not only am I a saying? player, I, I have a story, and... You know, and, do you think that the league might feel like, whereas they play those guys as music as a member of the league, you represent the league, and they don't want to represent some of the ideas that may be in your raps? I think they need the music. The, the music runs sports. You have to have the music, mm. and then you want to build that fan base. So then you're going to play a certain type of music. Drake has a huge fan base. Jay Z had a huge fan base. They bring a certain energy to the game. They use all the rappers. They use Migos. They use, they use everybody. Yeah, they use everyone. All, 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 all these niggas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And, but, but when we're talking about some shit, we want to get off our chest. We can't get our music played in the, in the arena. I, I had Champions, which is no curses in that record. Yeah. I couldn't even get that song played in, my, in the arena. And I play on it. So, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of different, like, frustrations that came from that quote. Mm -hmm. You know, or from that comment. You know that people, you know, and we just let it slide. As you know, we nobody's talking about this until until, until uh, money bag yo, right? Yeah. Nobody's talking about this until money bag yo was like, you asked the question, and he was like, ah, you know. But but it, it was a great it was a great opportunity for us to come on your show. Thanks for having me too. No problem. Thanks. So, do, do you think though that like when when some rappers say you know uh, when like money bag yo stays focused, do you think that they look at maybe the fact that you guys they feel like you might be using rap as a hobby? And they can't tell I agree. that you. They, well, they feel like they do rap every single day. Of course, of course. Like, with, of course. like for example, when you was hooping in the league, what if you at training camp, and then all of a sudden you turn around and they giving little bow wow a spot at training camp? I, I support that actually, but 
<laughs> I, I, I Do you? Chris Brown. I thought Chris Brown should have been in the league. You think Chris Brown should have been in Not the league? Not now, but he should have. If he would have kept before 10 years ago, yeah. when I was playing with Chris, yeah, definitely. Uh, first of all, I just He's played. better than a lot of people. I just played, I just played with Chris mm-hmm. um, maybe like two months ago. Shout yeah. out to uh, Jack McClinton. And shout out to my man Lethal Shooter. Yeah, um, <laughs> Lethal, Lethal Shooter. They put uh, they put together a run. Chris Brown came. I was shocked at how Chris, good Chris was. Chris is nice. I, and this, I'm, I'm talking about play. ten years ago when he was eighteen. Right. Chris is. You think he nice. could? You think Chris Brown could have made the Chris NBA? Could've, Chris could definitely have could have made the NBA because he was still young, didn't have a shot. But what young player has a shot? Right. Right. Um, what did you like about his game? I like that he was very smooth. He could, he could penetrate, really good penetrator, and, and really aggressive attacking the basket. Mm-hmm. I thought he was probably one of the best ones I've seen. The game was good, but the game really had the game didn't have any dribbling skills. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't really create too much for himself, but he can get it in that block. And game will give you work in that block. You, you could throw it up anywhere in the game. Ten years ago, he catching it backwards. He went in on fast break. Yeah, and young young buck was a hell of a finisher. Young buck. Yeah, young. I I play with young buck. Right. I'm not going to say Young Buck could have made the league, but you can throw it anywhere to Young Buck. Young Buck had bounce. Bounce, bounce. Right. Bounce. Absolutely. So you actually support rappers hooping. 100%. 100%. 100%. You know, I play with Buck, play with game, you know, and these, these are real niggas. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and, and I support it because we all from the same place. You know, um, you know I support it. And uh, there's, there's a couple guys out there that I like. Couple, couple guys out there that you know that I like, but now you look at Jay Cole the other day, yeah, you know, yeah, doing, yeah. doing his thing, yeah, work, working out there with Chris Brickley. He's Brickman, working, you know? he was doing yeah. his thing. You know, you know when that, you know, I first, this is something I always wanted to bring up with you. We're not gonna talk about that other thing that happened because I know you talk, cool. <laughs> have to talk about that in every yeah. interview. Yeah, but, thank you. But what I, but what I will say is, the first time I knew that you were a rapper was shortly after that. So shortly after that. They're interviewing you. I don't yeah. know if it was on USA Today. NBC. NBC or whatever, right? Yeah. And so we all watching the interview yeah. to see what you're going to say about that. Yeah. And you had a CD. It was a law. <laughs> what? A law. Yeah. And you were holding the CD up and you were pumping your group. And I was like, yo, does Ron know what the fuck is going yeah, on yeah, right yeah. now? <laughs> you know what's crazy about that day? So What? I exec- a law used to be signed Mariah Carey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because so, it was a girl group that you had. Group. Yeah. yeah. And I, like I told you, I love R&B. You love R&B. I, I love but so R&B. So you were using that opportunity. The whole world was waiting on what you're going to say to promote your music. I, I, I did, but so the album, I got suspended on November 19th. That album was coming out on November 23rd. Oh, shit. When I got suspended, the check stopped that same day. I didn't, I, I didn't prepare for this, right? <laughs> I, I figured, you know, I have some money coming in. We're going to go on this tour. We're going to do our thing, market the girls. Right. It's my last opportunity I have with NBC. So I told NBC I'll talk a little bit about what happened, but I want to talk mostly about the, the, the album because I have no more marketing dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no more marketing right, dollars. Right. So, and, I, and that was it. They kind of they made it look kind of crazy, but yeah. the girls are Lord, man. Good, good girls. Good so, R&B album, by the way. So right now... Yeah. You know, you 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 hear what people say. Yeah. Oh, what's your future in music then? Oh, let me ask you this. Is more guys rapping now that are athletes than ever before, right? Absolutely. Ever before. Like even like we put up some stuff with Le'Veon Bell is rapping and one of the best rappers that nobody talks about, and obviously this dude is my friend, but I'm gonna shout him out. I yeah. do it all the time. Arian Foster, have you heard him? No, I haven't heard him. Crazy. I so many guys are putting their music out. They should. Um do you think at any point rapping 
does cause you to lose focus because you got to be in the studio. You got yes, to tour. Does. By the way, yeah, I it, think so. On the athletics, does it cause you to lose a little bit of focus on your, your, your everyday bread making craft? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And the problem, the, problem with, the problem is people that don't rap get in trouble when they have a lot of time. Yeah. The, the music actually keeps you occupied. Mm. You're fresh out of college, you're making all this money, never had this much money before. You go to practice, what's next? What else are you going to do if you don't have a parent, parents in your life, or a good, uh, a good mentor in your life? Mm -hmm. What else are you going to do? You go to the club, yeah, you know, you're, doing, you're getting in trouble. You're doing... So I think music is, 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 a, is a great outlet mm. for people trying to express themselves. Right. You know, um, so, and, um, so, but yeah, it can't take away, but then getting in trouble takes away too. Or, you know, guys, that's, like I said, guys that's not rapping is getting in trouble. Right. You know, so I think the music is super important. For me, it was really good because mm -hmm. I needed that time to just not get in trouble, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? So that's one of the reasons I, I even started rapping. It was, I was like, wow, this is cool. You know what my favorite song of yours is? Which one? That Michael. Oh. Michael, 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 you, my yeah. nigga. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, that's cool. that's the, you don't like yeah, that one? I love that song. I, yeah, I, you know, I like that. Because we was all, because, bro, when yeah, Michael, um, when, my, when Michael Jackson died, we was all so yeah. upset. And then my brother was like, yo, man, look at this shit Ron Artest just put out. <laughs> and we was just walking around like, Michael, 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 you, my nigga. Right, you my nigga, definitely. Because, you know, Michael got a lot of backlash. So um, I did that song in the SLS Hotel. I was asleep. <laughs> I had my studio thing set up right. in, the, in the hotel. And I woke up. We just did the song. Boom. Right. And, you know, one take. No, it was a couple parts in that song. I should have did it over. Like, that was one of my biggest problems. I never, ever, like, said, okay, I don't like this part of the hook. Let's make this part better. Yeah. I was just like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm not a rapper anyway. Right. Put it out. Do you think you can rap? I can definitely. I can definitely rap. And uh, You can definitely. No you feel question. like you definitely can rap. No question. Like, a lot of people say I can't. <laughs> and like I said, like a lot of people said I can't. Right. I did sell 150,000 record champion, but like you know, the problem is I never ever like said, okay, um, we're gonna take this piece of the hook, we're gonna do this part over. Let's make sure this is engineered better. A lot of my early music, it was just like one take, fuck it, where's the henny? Back to practice. <laughs> right. And then like, yo, put it out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Put it out. I gave K. Slay an unmixed record. My that's first record. That's crazy. Unmixed. Wildin'. I, meta. That's not wildin', Meta. Yeah. You like to play on the radio on the, with no mix it. on it. No mix. You wildin'. What, and you said the response was the response wasn't was like, with? "Yo, it's whack. It's trash." And I'm like, "Y'all hating haters, you know." And I'm just like, <laughs> when, I, "When I when I think about it, the snare is no mix on the snare. You can't you can't determine what the snare is, what the 808 is, the drums, the synths, nothing. Yeah. Right. And so now I respect why people said." I can't rap, but then my later music was getting better. Yeah, you know, later, later I got better. Then I just kind of like said, okay, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm still in the business, mm -hmm. but not as much like on stage rapping. Yeah, you know. So then, how good of a rapper do you feel like you could have been? I think I would have. Give me an, give me a yeah. level of rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel like you could have got to had you just really put the work in yeah. and the time in, and you weren't winning championships. Right, 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 all right, defensive right, right, teams. Right, right. What kind of who who could you have been? I think like if I would have focused on it and just got with writers, mm -hmm. helping with the hooks, got with really good engineers, mm -hmm. you know. Then also um, going on tour because I can perform mm -hmm. on stage. I, I could definitely go on stage. I got a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. Um, never went on a, a tour. Right. I did it briefly, but nothing like for us. Yeah. It was all fucked up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, I think I, I would say, I think I would have made a lot of noise. I don't know who. I can't really compare 
oh, I would have been J. Cole. I would have been Nas. I would have been Havoc. I, it's hard to say because, you know, those guys put in a lot of work and, and they're they so different. But I, I definitely would have had a lot of fun on stage. You think you could have been a platinum rapper? Um... The reason I do say that because I'm risky, so I'm not afraid to try new things. Mm. You know, so like, I would have I would have done what I had to do to go platinum. Mm -hmm. You know, with music wise and creative wise, videos, um, performing, saying shit mm -hmm. <laughs> in the media. You yeah. know, I th I think I would have done what it takes to get me over the hump. Yeah. You know, as you know, a lot of rappers if they don't do some of the other things, they they won't get over the hump. They won't get over the. Hump. And I think I would have did what I had to do to get over the hump. Yeah. You know, um, and then I think the story would have been genuine. And then, like, the performances, I would have had, you know, we had 50 people on the stage. It would have been a good effects. <laughs> you know, we had, we, we, had the, we had the support. But but on top of that, I think my, if I would have focused on it, my music would have been way better. You know, um, and my music, quite frankly, it was, it was really for me. Was, I wasn't really making it for anybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I had, like, so much things going on in my head, you know, just from everything that you go through as a, as a, as a teenager. Yeah. But I, you know, I think like um, I don't know, maybe five hundred, five hundred thousand, yeah, somewhere around that would okay. have been like my, my thing. Your, your deal. Yeah. Who, who's your favorite rapper? Who do you listen to more than anybody? Who, who, who do you like? Cannabis is my favorite rapper. Cannabis. Yeah, he's my number one favorite rapper. Cannabis is your number one favorite rapper. Absolutely. Okay. Cannabis had that era where he was the best. Then he dropped off. He had a. There was an. There was a point in time where cannabis was considered the best rapper. What point in time was this? Right before his album, he right before his album, he was nobody rapping like okay. him. Okay, real quick, this is not to in any way diss cannabis. No, it's okay. Okay, because I think cannabis is filthy. I think he is <laughs> filthy. I just don't know if there was ever a time where cannabis was right. considered the best yeah. rapper. To, 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 to a hardcore cannabis fan, I'm biased. <laughs> I'm biased. Okay, but but it, 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 it was a, it was a group but, of us. No, it, but no, there was a point though when I will say this because remember I grew up in Louisiana, so it oh, wasn't. Wow. So there was there was a point where right when 4321 came out right, right, and right. like then right around that time where everyone was like this nigga is gonna take over the game yeah I, that that's, I, that's probably what I'm saying yeah yeah with like where, where, where and then it kind of whatever happened happened you like LL I love the album some people didn't you love the album I love the album one of mm -hmm. my favorite rap albums yeah he, he can go he filthy and then I think some things went wrong I don't know what happened I was talking to Wyclef about it briefly I wanted to get the whole story because I'm a fan you know, so you, you asked Wyclef what happened with cannabis? Yeah, I, t I asked him, and, and we was going to get into it. He gave me his number. I'm probably going to hit him up. Because as a fan, <laughs> I'm just like, you know what? You, know? you still want to know from Wyclef what happened Absolutely. with the cannabis Absolutely. situation. He was briefly telling me, too. Right. You know, some things. Well, then, one, um, the first thing that happened is he got in the beef with LL, and LL kind of ate him up. LL's an amazing rapper. Queens LL's as well, an right? Rapper. Who? LL from Queens. He's from Queens. Right. He's, he, he don't Queens get enough well. respect from enough people. Nah, LL can go. But he gets it from the right people. He's right. an amazing rapper. It's hard, it's, hard, it's hard to compete against that. Right, it, yeah. it is. Especially at that point where we're talking like 97, 98. Yeah. Where LL was still LL. He was still LL. He, he, was, he was still LL. He, he was still LL. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about something that's happening in hip-hop? We just keep on hip-hop. Yeah. Rappers are getting older. Yeah. So these guys, like Hove is about, is like nearly 50. Yeah, yeah, You know, it's you amazing. still got Nas still going. Nas is 45. Uh, 45. Ross, 42, 43. Yeah. We never had this before, dog. It's amazing. It's amazing. We never time. had older rappers who could give game. And say, even 2 yeah, chains yeah, yeah. is like 39 or 40, and game yeah. is 39. So you never had guys that were older. How do you feel about hip-hop aging a little bit? I think it's amazing, man. Like, it makes me think about all this music I have. 
and I have like a, I have a small cult following. It's not a lot of people. Yeah. I have a small cult following that when you put out your music, when you put out your music, and I stopped putting out music. Actually, I did three albums <laughs> like last year, but nobody knew I put it out. <laughs> this real crap. I recorded, boom, put it out. And right. I take it down off iTunes. I put it up and take it down. But um, but it, it inspires me because mm-hmm. it shows that you still have a story. Hope could still put Blade down if he had to. Yeah. And I feel like they're not getting in the way of the young guys. The young guys are still coming out, mm-hmm. and you know they 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 exploding now. But then you still see the older guys, mm-hmm. you know, still putting out albums. So I mean, I enjoy it. DMX put out an album two years ago, three years ago. And he's gonna be, he about to make another one, too. About to make another one? I mean, why not? Him and Swiss getting together. What, what, what do you like so much about cannabis? Man, I thought his words, I'm a, I was a math major. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when I was in, this, when I was in Queensbridge, to stay out of trouble, I would do, I would, uh, do math problems. You know, a lot of times. Okay. It kept me out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I would just do it. I'd be in the hood, all my boys smoking weed, selling dope. I'm doing, I'd do math. <laughs> yeah. You know, um... So cannabis, uh, you know, I was an architect major in uh, in college, also my first major, mm-hmm. you know, um, then art, then math, mm-hmm. and, and and then um, cannabis was so smart, and 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 it was just it was taking me to school. Yeah, you understand? Where Nas is taking us to school too. Mm-hmm. Nas is more like on five percent of yeah street, yeah yeah five percent a little bit yeah. of Italiano in there. Yeah, you know, um, still taking me to school, but I wasn't ready to hear. A lot of the stuff Nas was preaching until later. Yeah. You know, until I until I was like thirty. Right. Then I go back and listen to Nas. I'm like, oh wow, he was yeah. really talking. Because there's shit. a lot about some some of it has to do with the black family and responsibility. Right, right, right. A, right. a lot of Nas's raps, even from the beginning, have to do with a sense of manhood, responsibility yeah. to community and stuff like that. Absolutely, Sometimes, absolutely. Young cat, it takes you a while to kind of it process. Takes a that. while. It takes a while, and that's why he's still living to this day. Yeah. I mean, sorry, his music is still living. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the illest from Queens ever? You feel like? So my favorite rapper is Tragedy from Queensbridge Projects. Okay. Tragedy and Nas is like, I'm not going to say they're the same. I don't want to disrespect anyone. But there's a couple rappers that's in the same lane in Queensbridge. Okay. Um, the same lane. Uh, Nas, Tragedy, Mega. Um, Shout out to Mega, by the way. That's the Nas, homie right yeah, there. Yeah, Mega. That's, that's, that's my, he came to my first game ever in yeah. the NBA. Shout out to Mega. Um, I would say Nature, although I don't think Nature was as lyrical as Nas, Tragedy, and Mega. Yeah. You know, um, I would, and I could put Prodigy in there, but those three are, that's Queensbridge. You know, those, those, those three. And, I, and Tragedy, the stuff he talked about is actually things he lived through. Tragedy had a point where he was going to take off. It was, it was Tragedy and Nas, like literally at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Nas is like, you know, Nas is super methodical and focused. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't getting in no trouble. Yeah. In terms of he, he ain't going to fuck up his money. Right. Let's just say that. There's a lot of parties that they fucked up. <laughs> but... <laughs> But he ain't gonna fuck his money, and tragedy was more like in the streets, robbing people, you know, and talking about it in the music. So, in terms of like listening to listening to someone, you know, and, and, and wanting to feel, you know, like DMX. Yeah, I don't know DMX. Yeah. You know, like Jada Kiss. No, I know him, but I don't know him. Like I seen tragedy in the hood. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear you hear about tragedy just robbed this one, and he's spitting it on the wax. Yeah. So tragedy is like personally. My, my, one of my, my favorite rapper from, from Queensbridge. Mm. Yeah. All right, we're going to get back to Meta in a second. But we got some news. If you're listening to this right now, that means this podcast is now available on AudioMac. AudioMac is the free music and podcast streaming app that lets you stream and download the hottest albums, mixtapes, songs, playlists, and podcasts, along with AudioMac exclusives. Discover the best new songs by browsing the trending page. That's where you get a lot of this stuff. Sometimes you can't really get into uh, the songs that you want to because you don't know you want them. 
But then you go to the trending page in Audio Mac and you see what people are listening to, what people are gravitating towards, and you discover new artists. It's awesome. Check out the library of carefully curated playlists. There's one for every mood. Like if you're feeling super down, I don't know, what would you listen to if you're feeling super down? Maybe you listen to a little Etta James or something like that. Kind of Billie Holiday smooth out the move. But if you're feeling up, you want to get, you know, bust the rhymes or something. Put your hands where your eyes can see. You guys can tell them out. Um, and take your favorite songs and podcasts offline to save your data and listen wherever you are. That matters because sometimes you're in a spot where you ain't got no service and you need something to get you through the doldrums and the boredom. You look on your phone, you have nothing saved. Now, what can you do? Nothing. You're forced to communicate with other people. And I know how much you guys hate that. Um, so you're going to want to save those things so you can listen to them later. Audio Mac is here to move music forward. Available now on the App Store and Google Play. Let's get back to Meta World Peace. Let, let's talk about basketball for one second. Yeah. Because... When I listen to you talk about, I listen to when, when people talk about how good somebody is hooping. They normally yeah. talking about how well somebody can score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? They yeah. normally talking about how somebody can get buckets. I listen to you and you talk about defense with so much enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you love defense. Yes. Like, like I know that was your calling card in the NBA, but I remember you talk about just you were like when I if I'm looking at a player trying to trying to scout them or coach them he's like sometimes I won't look at their defensive stats I'll look at how much they close out yeah, the yeah. closeouts that they get and yeah. the contests and stuff like that when did you realize that that was going to be the part of the game cuz that's not yeah. a glamorous part of the game yeah so for me like um well for one on our block you wasn't allowed to play unless you was ready mentally and physically you know and you wasn't scared so and the only way you can do that, because if you're 12 years old, 13 years old, you're playing with the men, you, can't, you, you don't have enough moves at that point. Yeah, you don't have a package. If you're not nice, some people are nice, but I wasn't that nice, so I had to grind. Right. You know, and I'm going up against these men, and, I, and I, I want, I'm staying on the court. Yeah. So the only way I could do that was defense. You know, and because he's not NBA players either. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I'm shutting, I'm shutting these men down. Yeah. You know, a young age, and that's how I would win. So when I, when I started to get a little bit better offensively, I, I still wasn't great at one point, but I would, just, I, I would be the best player on the floor playing defense. Mm. You know, and f four points, the, the best, clearly the best player on the floor. Yeah. I could pass. Yeah. I could set screens. I could box out. I could make the right plays. Yeah. So, you know, so defense for me was something that they wasn't paying defenders in the NBA. And it, that's the only reason I started scoring because I wanted to get a big contract. And I, I didn't have no numbers. So I said, all right, cool. I went from averaging like 15 to like 24 right before I got suspended. Yeah. I could score, but it's not something I love to do. I'd much rather just wow. play defense. Mm -hmm. That's it. I know it's effective. But then, you know, the viewers don't always know. And the sponsors, that's, they want to see the stars. They want to see the people scoring. They Especially right then when Jordan had just left the league not too long ago. Yeah. And it was all about who could get you 30 and yeah. who was going to take the last second shot. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. now... With the game being so specialized, you could look at a guy and like people talk about how great Patrick Beverly is. Right, right, what, right, what, right, like right. What guys, what on the ball defenders bring to a right, team. Right, 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 right. Or Robertson down in um in in, in, in OKC. They talk about that yeah. now, but back then you have to really know your ball. Um, or if somebody yeah. wasn't like they talked about how good Gary Payton was defensively, but he could also score. He could score. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like it was, it was weird. It was weird that you were talking about just how good somebody was defensively. Yeah. And really, to be honest with you, you were one of the first players though that where we were just like, "Yo, you can't score on this guy." 
Yeah, man. It, it was time because I always felt like if you're a ball player, you're gonna be competitive. I'm, I'm the best. You're the best. You're gonna say you're the best. Yeah. So when I'm playing against somebody and they can score, maybe last week they had 50. Wasn't against me. Yeah. But now, but they're getting more recognition. So when I play against this person, whoever it can, whoever it may be, I'm shutting that down. Yeah. You know, and if I shut it down, like, how am I? I'm the best. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I shut that down. We won the right. game. I'm the best. Yeah. You know, was so, anybody you couldn't shut down? Anyone that just had too much in their bag and you no, couldn't deal with it? Um, it was. Um, Anyone you just like LeBron? This guy, this guy I can't Le, guard. LeBron and Kobe was the ones that was, to me stood out. Yeah. In terms of, I wasn't able to get the best of them all the time. I, I had a couple good games against them, mm-hmm. but they had more good games against me. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, and that's just you know me personally. I don't want to discredit anybody else's game. I'm not trying to. Yeah, 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 I, I'm yeah. not trying to go at anyone. Right. You know, but I definitely my defense was definitely better than people's offense. No, <laughs> no question about it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and yeah, I had a lot of games where, you know, people not playing. Yeah. A lot of games where he not he not, he not playing tonight. Like the, well, you feel tonight. like guys took the night off? A lot, a, well, I'm not gonna say they are, but I, I, what I what I can say is there's a lot of nights if you look at the stats where. Guys didn't play. Wow. Guys didn't play. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of your best players, DMP, DMP, DMP. Because <laughs> they didn't want to get out I there. I was bringing it every night. And, 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 and have that whole thing sucked up. But you, uh, yeah. go, go ahead. But you still felt yeah. like, but you, you, you still felt like at, that's an interesting thing, though. You actually felt like there were times where guys didn't want to come out on the court against you. It was a lot of times. Yeah, I, I know why. Because I was in the gym going hard, man. I'm, I'm lifting weights. I'm doing my push-ups. I'm. I'm sprinting. My, my cardio is A1. So you got somebody who cardio is A1, super athletic, and super strong in your ass every night. You know, like, you're like, you can, you, you know, that can hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I get it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I get it. You know, and I want the bump. I want the bump. And I'm buttoning on offense. You can't really guard me. Yeah. You know, so I, I, can, see, I can see why guys took the night off. Yeah. Definitely can see why. Um, so, but you felt like at some point you had to, because I remember it was when, much like uh, Jimmy Butler, when Jimmy Butler first came into the league, yeah. uh, Jimmy Butler was first made his his reputation as a defender. Good defender, yeah. And yeah. then Jimmy started scoring. Right, right, and, right, right. Um, and even with Kawhi to a certain extent, Kawhi too made his reputation. And now Kawhi is one of the best scorers in the league. He's a, he's a, he's he's he, man. Like what, what 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 like when you look at Kawhi, what do you think about him? I, I this, this is why I love Kawhi because in my career I was so unstable. You know, from having um, nervous breakdowns early on in my career, you know, to, you know, uh, so many psychologists and to, to, to always breaking down. Mm-hmm. Mentally not there. Mm-hmm. Don't even know how I played 18 years in the NBA. Um, but when I watch Kawhi, I see someone who I want to be like. Mm. Because he's strong. He plays defense. He got offense. And I'm like, wow, I could have I, I potentially had a career like that. Wow. You know, and, yeah. and when I see him, I'm in awe every time I see him because I'm always trying to figure out how good I could have been, and he's the one guy I can reference something to. Yeah, because he, he reminds got, you of yourself a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he reminds he myself. He reminds myself a little bit. You know, um, I, I had I had one really good year. You know, and he but he when I was 23, I was top five in the league. Yeah. You know, um, then it went down <laughs> mm. after that. Why do you feel like that happened? Well, after the bro, I was depressed. Yeah. You know, I went from 248 to 273. Damn. Right? Yeah. I got to Sacramento. I was 273 when I got I traded from Indiana. 
And I told Rick Adam, I said, yo, I might not be able to play. He said, listen, we're going to go as far as you can take us. And Sack was in last place at that point. That gave me some confidence. We got, I got helped get Sack into the playoffs. And I started to, like, love ball again when I got with Rick Adelman. But I wasn't, like, the same person when I left Indiana when I was, like, you know, one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when y'all were a championship threat. You know, yeah, I, was, I wasn't the same player like that. Mm-hmm. But I still averaged 20. I was still, you know, I was still able to do what I got to do. Yeah. 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 Another thing that for somebody like me who started having panic attacks when I was, like, 23 or 24. Yeah. I remember I'm a Laker fan. And I remember after y'all won – the championship, yeah. right? And you hit the shot that Meta, we did not want you to shoot. Of course not. Like Meta, like like when we were in the ball, we were like, "What the fuck is this nigga doing?" Absolutely. And that Absolutely. ball went up. That was that is one. Of, let me tell you something. That's one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> like like Kobe swings the ball over there, and we expecting you to take a couple dribbles and get the ball back in Kobe's hands, <laughs> so we can go get this work. You shoot that. You go up, and we like, what the fuck? <laughs> Hey. And, it, and it goes in, and we won the championship. I mean, that was the nail in the coffin, right? Yeah. After the game, we have that moment. They're talking to you, and you do something that I don't think even you know how important it was. I don't think you know how important it was. You thank your therapist. Absolutely. And for me, someone who was dealing with mental health issues, someone who had battled their mental health issues, and got support from people but still didn't have anyone to talk to, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. people supported you when you're having a panic attack when you're going through something, but it's still not something that you can just go up to somebody yeah. and discuss with them. Absolutely, To absolutely. see an athlete at the pinnacle of their sport yeah, say, yo, thank you to the person that helped me mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the first times that I remember having a conversation outwardly about mental health and about me going to therapy with my boys. What made you do that in that moment? And do you have yeah. any idea, even to this day, how much that meant to so many people? I mean, you know, like that moment was crazy because when I was playing ball, which is the center of my life, mm-hmm. I would always take the big shots. I was always like one of the best on the team. Yeah. So go, go through me. I missed a lot of big shots. Yeah. Was I scared? No. But before taking those shots, I mean, you know, was I questioning, is it going to go in? Yeah. What if you fail? And it's like, that's, that's, not, that's not normal to me. It's not stable. You're not having fun out there. You know, you worry about things off the court. So, so many times that I had opportunities to be on TV, game winner, tie it up. Those always hitting the back of the room, back of the room. I had to fix that. I had to fix that. So that year, I was seeing, I started to see, I have to see psychologists in 2008. Actually, it started in Houston. Because I had a big playoff series against the Lakers in Houston. I was averaging 22. I was killing them. I remember that. You know, mm-hmm. and that's back when you and Kobe went back and forth a little bit. That's when we was going back, and I, that's where I got my psychologist from, from 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 Houston. And it wasn't about like averaging a lot of points. It was more about just making big shots, making big shots. If you shoot them enough, you'll make them. Whereas before, I was missing them. So my psychologist was helping me just focus on the game, stay centered, which is something I needed because I was a very unstable human being. You know, a very unstable person, a very unstable father at that time. You know, so. We worked on breathing techniques and different things where I could just focus on the game and not focus on, like, you know, if somebody hit me the wrong way, we're going to be fighting. Or, you know, in game six, I was 23 years old when I elbowed Richard Hamilton in the face. Game tie, game six to go to the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tied up. I hit him, I elbowed him in, 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 in the face. Technical foul, he makes two, they make one, they, they go up four, they win by four, they go to the finals, they win. You know, mm-hmm. then the next year I'm in Sacramento. I elbowed Ginobili, you know, in the playoffs. Boom, 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 I get ejected. They go to the finals. They win. 
Mm. You know? So you feel like your mental health was costing you on the basketball court. All the time. Court. All the time. It was costing me legacy. It's costing me. And, and, and I'm still on the brink of being a Hall of Famer, which mm -hmm. is crazy mm -hmm. because, you know, and I know it would have been a no-brainer if I would have had a more stable, a more stable career. So at that point in time, I had to take my psychologist because I'm just like, yo, you know, just give respect where respect is due. Hmm. Do you yeah. feel like you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Off my defense, definitely, because um, it's not because of me. When you get Reggie Miller saying, this is the greatest defender ever. Mm. You get Kobe saying, is the greatest defender ever on the wing. And, and Kawhi's amazing. This is, you know, you get Kawhi, when, when I left the NBA, I came back, and Kawhi was like, man, where you been at? So mm. happy to see you back. You know, um, Michael Jordan, early on in my career, is one of my favorite players. You know, it's in the media. It's, in, it's, it's documented, you know, and... So it's not just me saying this, yeah. you know, it's not just me. And then, but the, nationally, they're not going to publicize that because a lot of people don't want to see me in that Hall of Fame. Why do you feel like that is? Just because, like, you know, I, I never really was afraid to speak my mind. I never, I never, I never really, um, like, submitted to being that corporate person, you know, um, which worked against me, whatever. And, and, I, I never really gave a fuck <laughs> in my early days. Now it's different. Like I, got a, I actually got a corporation now. And, you know, so I'm a little bit different now in how I think of things. You know, but at, in that early age now, I, was, I wasn't trying to, I didn't have a lot of respect. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, um, so it's going to be hard to get in. Mm -hmm. But I believe, um, I'm just happy that I had a chance to, for Michael Jordan to be like, oh, I met a world, Ron Artest my favorite player. Mm. Think you know, Ben Wallace deserves that too? Hall, Hall of Fame? Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's kind of crazy that he's not in. He's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's yeah. a Hall of Famer. Four, four defensive player of the year. How could you not be he's in the fucking Hall of Famer? Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Because, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I actually talked to Chauncey about that. We was, I was asking Chauncey if Chauncey felt like he should be in the Hall of Fame. And Chauncey was like, yeah, I should be in. He's like, I feel ripped. Should be. He's like, of all of us. That whole team should be in the Hall of Fame. The whole team, you that, feel like. I'm sorry, that, for that starting five. That whole starting five should starting be in the Hall of Fame. Hall of fame. What they did, see, but that what that starting five did. They did what Golden State did, and they did what um, San Antonio used to do, sort of. But Detroit was the last championship team to win it without without anybody saying they're gonna win it mm -hmm. the season. Yeah, prior. yeah, 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 yeah. They earned it. Right. They that they wasn't there wasn't a lot of superstars on that team. Right. It was some, but it wasn't like no over the top superstars. Yeah, they didn't have a guy on that team that you would say was a top five NBA player. They became they, stars. They, they, yeah, they had a great team, but yeah. not like any alpha top five you know what NBA I'm dogs. Yeah, no, nah, I get it. I get it. And then the same thing with the Warriors. The Warriors became stars. Nobody knew the Warriors was going to be this good. Mm -hmm. Nobody, but they became stars. You know, so the Warriors and the Pistons, they remind me a lot of each other. Right. If, let's say you like prime Ron Artest 2005, 2006. I'm going to ask you a couple people. How would you guard like Steph Curry? I mean, in, in my prime, you know, I, I didn't get tired. So. This is how I measure it. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you are as good as Kobe or LeBron, I would have had a problem with you. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. If you, if you wasn't that good, I probably wouldn't have had a problem with you. So, so would you have a problem? You think you would have a problem with Steph Curry guarding him? It's, 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 I, I, it depends. It, he's a great player to me. T to me, Stephen Curry is top, you know, not yet, but I would say he's going to finish off top 10 all the time. Okay. Right now he's top 50. Okay. If that's if, if that is as good as Kobe and LeBron, you know Kobe and LeBron, then I would have had a, I would have had a problem. Like Durant, you probably would have had a problem with. I had problems with Durant. Yeah. I caught Durant early, so when he was a 
Yeah, because you did. You played his you, first you, you playoffs. Overlapped because he played. He came in the league like oh nine. I probably something. would have probably Kevin Durant too. As, as Pete Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's just hard to say. Like in the prime, I, I mean, they're not guarded people that they put on Kevin Durant's level, who I didn't have much problems with. You know, like who? Um, I mean, in that era, when my, in my era, you had Kobe, Richard Hamilton, you had. V, yeah, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Tracy McGrady, mm-hmm. um, Jerry Stackhouse, Michael Finley, all these guys was in that era. Yeah, you know, and you know sometimes they had good games, and you know we, we have to look at the stats. Yeah, I'm sure Vince had 35. I'm sure some games he had like 13. Yeah, you know stuff like that, or maybe 15. Right. So we have to look at the stats and then compare it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have a friend. His name is Royce White. You know Royce. Um, I know Royce. So, like, yeah. I wouldn't, let me not say a friend, because Royce going to be like, we ain't friends. <laughs> um, but me, me and Royce talk sometimes. He's a homie, I would say. I would say homie. Yeah. And he talks about a lot, um, sort of, the mental health issues that he's had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how he's felt like the NBA wasn't very um, supportive yeah. of him and some of the struggles. Royce vehemently denies that he refused to travel by plane, he vehemently denies a lot of the things that have been portrayed about him in the media in terms of his struggle with me, uh, with mental health. You've documented a lot of your struggles with mental health. Yeah, Do you yeah. feel like the league itself is supportive of mental health issues that players might be going through? What experiences do you have with the yeah. league as far as that's concerned? They, they are. Royce had a unique, a unique situation. And I think, yeah, they probably should have put more resources. I don't know the story, so I can't say – what they did or what they didn't do. Just in your experience. In my experience, when I was 19 years old, I was seeing psychologists since I was 13. When I was 19, um, in Chicago, I was having more issues. And I had psychiatrists actually um, for me because mm-hmm. my dad was on medicine. Okay. So then they was like, this kid, this kid got problems. So I saw MD and then they, um, behind the scenes, because if I would have went at 19 years old and said, Ronald Tess need a doctor. He's going crazy. You don't want that. Would have affected your draft status and all of that stuff. That's like what we that. think. Yeah. Back that's, in those what, days, that's how you felt like that. That's yeah. how I felt. Yeah. Or, you know, or my, my uh, future earnings. Yeah. So, you know, I thought the NBA always supported me. Um, my marriage counselor came from the NBA. Okay. You know, my marriage counselor, because I was going through things and I was going through so much over the years. I had a lot of conversations with the NBA and they started to really help me. So the NBA's always been supportive. But, it was in the background because they didn't imagine saying, you know, Matter Peace seeing parents having parents in class, you know, Ron Artest's anger management and now marriage counseling. You know, it's like ESPN. This guy's crazy. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So as far as parenting, uh, we'll, we'll, your son who looks if y'all listen, I want y'all to do me a favor right now. <laughs> Pull up a picture of 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 of, of Ron Artest third. Put it on the screen right now. Cause this shit is crazy, like you, the the boy looks exactly yeah. like you is wild. Yeah, and he's a pretty good athlete too. Yeah, I want to ask is. you a couple of questions. Number one, as a father, how do you feel like some of the struggles that you had in your past growing yeah. up, some of the things that you talk about? How do you feel like? Look at this. <laughs> like, like look, look, look at this. You look like a young me. Look at this boy. <laughs> look exactly like him. How do you feel like some of the struggles that you had in your past affected you as a dad? You can take it down now, yeah. Um, and how? What's your relationship like with your son, who who's a basketball player and wants to be just like his father was? Well, I had my first. I was sixteen. My first girl. Then my son. He came at when I was nineteen years old. Okay. So I was a kid raising a kid, and um, like I said, all those problems I was going through, which we talked about on the show. They were born. <laughs> yeah. They were there. 
So it must have been tough. As I got older, when I, got, when I was 25, that's when I started taking parenting class, which was mandated by the court. And I, I was really grateful for that, for that mandate because who knows where I would have been as a parent. You know, and it's simple things like, simple things like I love you, you know. How many parents say that to their children? A lot of parents don't say that to their children, you know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I love you, I love you. you know, some parents do, but some people don't. It was things like that that felt awkward because, you know. It felt awkward for you to tell your son you loved him. I, yeah, because nobody ever told me that. You Damn. Know? But, I mean, my dad loved me. He was with me every day. Sure, yeah. And my mom loved me too, but it was never, all right, love you. All right, have a good day at school, love you. You know, it was always like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Right? It was never like that big, everyday, genuine hugs. Yeah. But it was, the, it was the tough love discipline. Right. The tough, you knew, you knew it was there. Yeah. But sometimes you got to actually express it, you know? And, um, and, uh, and uh, so, so then I, became, I started to learn, you know, how, how to become a better parent, which is very important. And my kids are doing great, you know, they're in college, playing sports. I mean, Ron, he's a producer, mm -hmm. you know, making, making music, playing sports, you know, it's just like real positive. Yeah. And you feel like you were able to kind of bridge that gap with him and make them feel loved and kind of give them some of the things that maybe you didn't have when you were growing up? Uh, absolutely. You know, um, you want to be there supportive and be on the ass. Mm -hmm. You know, like for me, I could have um, skipped school. Yeah. Now I would have got in trouble, but most of my siblings skip school, you know, didn't finish college. I could have did the same thing. I, I had that option, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, but I want to make sure that my kids don't have that option. You are going to school. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's things like that, you know, is a must. Yeah. So you've accomplished a lot. You know what I mean? Like you, NBA champ, we told you, defensive player of the year, all-star games, you done wrapped, <laughs> you done figured out how to balance your mental health. You've overcome You've conquered a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of guys that um, that came up with you that's still kind of going through. You, you still yeah. talk to Lamar at all? Yeah, we, we speak, like, I would say four times, five times a year. How's he know? doing? He's doing great. He's just, yeah, I mean, doing you see much him better. on Instagram. You see him talking. I'm happy he's talking and giving back. So yeah. happy for him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good because he – I don't think people know um, just how close he was to not being with us and to see him – Yeah. Around, up, talking, hooping, all yeah. that stuff is great. Um, you've, you've accomplished so much. Like, what's in the future? Man. Like, it, what's, it, like what's next? There's a lot of great things next. Like, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, I evolved so much, you know. Um, yeah, I know is, you got the documentary. The documentary, you know, I was a part of the production. We're, we're, we're working on more. Shout out to my man, Omar. Omar set that up. Without Omar. Shout out to my man, Omar. Omar used to work happen. here at TMZ. If you need something accomplished... In L.A., shout out to Omar. I Definitely. could say some more stuff Omar could help you with, but I'm not trying to get him in trouble. But Omar's my guy, man. Omar's, yeah. a, Omar's a good dude. So yeah. you, you, you had the documentary. What else? What so else? that was under Artist Media Group. Okay. I have Artist Management Group, my, my parent, uh, C Corp, LLC. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of projects underneath Artist uh, Management Group, you know, um, which we had to pretty much learn how to build corporations on your own. We didn't go to school for this. It wasn't a lot of help. Yeah. You know, like I said, it was a, but, but it's great. Now I'm 39 years old and things, things is much better. So, you know, we were into the investing, got into a couple companies. Um, actually, my son, Jerron Artest, who's at Irvine, got me into investing. Oh, wow. 
I was 32 when he first told me that I invested in, he invested in Tesla when he was 12 years old at $30 a share. What? So he's a real, yeah, $30 a share. He also invested in AMD, which is a semiconductor when it was $7 a share. And he was like, Dad, you got to invest in these. I said, what? What are you talking about? What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. And he was already making these investments. So my son got me to invest in and got me into technology. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and he's a computer science major on a basketball scholarship. He had Damn. Berkeley, Stanford. He had all these schools that was offering him scholarships. But he went to UC Irvine because he's going to build. He wants to do esports. Yeah. So he's going to. So he's, he doesn't need basketball, um, which is really cool. You know, so, so we got. So the kids is doing well. You know, I got, I got um, you know, the companies is doing pretty well. And we're just starting out, like I said, um, what we're doing now is trying to, like I said, I don't want to discourage the youth. And obviously, we're on, we on this show because E-Money, I mean Money Bag, yo. Because, <laughs> you know, E-Money e Bags is another person, another rapper from, uh, yeah, 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 from yeah. New York. Uh -huh. and, but, you know, we don't want, but what we're doing now is, like, trying to learn businesses that we never had the opportunities to get into before. You know, um, and you see all the rappers and the basketball players like LeBron's and Blaze Pizza. Jay-Z got title. Mm -hmm. You know, all this amazing things has happened that wasn't Ownership. available. Yeah. Ownership. You know, these things wasn't available years ago for the other athletes or the other rappers. You know, um, and I was never even in that space. I was always basketball club, basketball club. I was never in the business. Mm. You know, so and, and I think it's important to get into, the, into business and it's important to stay locked in with your community. You see what Meek Mills is doing with Jay-Z and the whole, um, I guess the jail uh, reformation, something going on in there. <laughs> you mean the prison reform? Prison reform. That's, that's, <laughs> I got not, you. That, that's not my thing. I feel you, dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, it's necessary. My right. thing is mental health. And I feel you. But you know yeah. what, though? It's all hand in hand, my brother, because if we take care of our mental health, we'll not only be able to heal ourselves when we uh, are uh, come back from and being incarcerated right. a little bit better and the, the really the the trauma that you go through from being incarcerated. But if we heal our mental health, we just might not be incarcerated at the same rate. We I might agree. See, we might see ourselves in jail a little bit less. I agree. Because we'll, we'll, we'll be able to solve these problems a little bit healthier. Um, and there's some risky behaviors that we might cut down on a little bit if we invest into our mental health. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I agree. I, but what they're doing is I def, definitely respect it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, I, I just feel like what I'm doing now is uh, I'm actually still learning. Although I got like... Really great partners. Mm -hmm. um, founder Survey Monkey um, invested in my company. You know, um, one of the co-founders of Twitch um, invested in my company. You know, um, and, and multiple people like that. Mm -hmm. Which I'm 39. You know, four years ago I was a baby in business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. Kept grinding, kept grinding, kept grinding. You know, and now we hire interns and. We help interns and we help in the future. We trying to, it's not about us anymore, it's about the future. Right. You know, um, but yeah, but I definitely appreciate you having me on your show. It's a yeah, dope brother. show. Yeah, man. It was great. You know what I mean? We're going to get you out of here. But listen, um, they going to keep rapping. Yo, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> they going to keep rapping. Hey, white people, clap for Metal World Peace, man. Clap hey. for Metal World Peace. <laughs> like, clap hey. for them, brother. Appreciate your time, my Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. Yes, sir.